Welcome to the Here's Hope Church Sermon Podcast. It's our pleasure to share God's Word with you and to help you fix your eyes on Jesus Christ, who came into the world to save us and make us new. If you don't already have a church home, we'd love to have you join us this weekend at Here's Hope Church in Kokomo, Indiana. Worship services are on Saturday night starting at 5 or Sunday mornings beginning at 10. For more information, visit us online at myhopecocomo.org. And now, if you have your Bible ready, it's time for today's message. Good evening. We are uh, finishing up our series tonight, Be Blessed on the Beatitudes, and I've titled the message tonight, Joy and Persecution. Joy and Persecution. Man, the Lord's been talking to me about this. Um, I'm probably going to learn more tonight as I preach than you do. (laughs) Um, Let me pray for us again, and uh, we'll get into the Word. Heavenly Father, uh, God, we recognize, or at least we should if we don't have blinders on, that there's a lot of brokenness in this world. God, we recognize that there are a lot of problems. Uh, There's a lot of persecution, Lord. There's violence. And Lord, I just pray tonight that you would help us to have our hearts strengthened as we fix our eyes on you, who is so much bigger and better than all of the problems of the world combined, God. So we just pray, help us to humbly approach you in faith tonight. But Lord, help us to do do that fervently. Help us to really um, be intentional, God, to, to look to you tonight. God, I pray in this moment that you would help us to devote all of our attention to your word, because we're, we're desperate for you, God. We, we need to hear from you tonight. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, again, welcome. Welcome. So you guys ready to be encouraged tonight? I am, for sure. Yeah. You got, are you ready to be changed, maybe, in your, in your thinking in some way? Because God does want to rewire our thinking through his word. And I hope you're ready to, to be changed, maybe even your emotions. Uh, I wrestle with being in the right place with that sometimes, and I want the Lord to align my heart with his heart. I hope you're ready to be changed inwardly with who you are tonight. I, I am. I need that uh, in my life. I was thinking about the word friendship. It was Mark's fault. Mark's a good friend, uh, not only to me, but to other other people. If you know Mark, you know that's true, and this past week, Mark went with Brian down to Bedford. He took a day off from work. I know you wouldn't tell everybody that, but I'm going to boast what a good guy you are. So Mark went down to Bedford to be a good friend uh, with Brian. And I just, I told Mark, I said, man, that is, that's fantastic. You know, just that the beauty of friendship, that you care enough, you love somebody enough, you took a day off from work to just hang out with them, just to be with them, to go look at apartments and stuff Brian needed to do with this potential job transfer. And I just remember thanking the Lord for friends like Mark when we were talking about that and, and how uh, fortunate we are to have friends. It's one of the, the blessings that await us in heaven is that in heaven, we're not going to have to ever lose our friends forever. There's times in this life where we've had great friends, uh, but the Lord takes them home. I've had to say goodbye to several close friends, and I, I miss them. And it's one of the beauties there that in heaven... Our friends are going to be there with us, 
those who are redeemed, and, and it's, it's not going to stop. You know, it's going to be great. And what a wonderful thing that is because we're made for relationship. You know, just I can't fully wrap my mind around the Trinity and three in one, and God is one, but in three persons. But there's relationship within God himself. And being made in God's image, we're made for relationship also, and we're made to, to love. And we're, we're made to receive love, and we're made to, uh, to, to want to be liked, or at least enjoy to be liked. I enjoy it when people like me. Um, you know, I, I think the opposite is probably also true. We usually, generally, we don't like it when people dislike us. It's upsetting when people obviously dislike us. And maybe you can think of a time when you were a kid that you were ridiculed. Somebody said mean things to you about how you dressed or how you looked or how you spoke or maybe just because you did better on the test than they did or whatever. But there's, you know, kids can be really cruel sometimes. Some of the things they say to other kids and, you know, I, and sometimes we're the ones who were saying that, well, we shouldn't. It was hurtful to somebody else. But it's painful, isn't it? And you I, there's stuff from five, six, seven years old that I remember today. I think, why do I remember that? But somebody said something or it hurts our feelings. God can heal that. You know, he can help us. But we still, we remember it's hurtful when people are unkind. It, it doesn't get a lot better as adults. You know, when people are, are mean-spirited and, and intentionally hurtful toward us, we don't, we don't like that. We don't want that to happen. Well, let's, uh, let's read our main scripture passage today. We're going to look at Matthew 5, and we're going to look at verses 10 through 12. If you'd like to go ahead and open your Bibles to Matthew 5, and then also if you want to go ahead and earmark uh, 2 Corinthians 4, we're going to look there as well. So I'll give you a minute to get there. Matthew 5, verses 10 through 12, and then 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 5 through 18. Those are our two main passages tonight. Matthew 5, starting in verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's a promise. Heaven's their home. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, Falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me, Jesus says. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So Jesus says very clearly, blessed are you when people insult you, when they persecute you. Blessed are you when people say all kinds of evil against you because of Christ, because you belong to him. That's a weird statement. I mean, doesn't that seem strange? It would, it would make sense to me if Jesus said, blessed are you when everybody wants to be your friend. That sounds pretty reasonable. I think, yeah, I'm totally immediately on board with that. I have to think about that much. That's easy. You know, blessed are you when, when everybody likes you, everybody wants to get along with you, Everybody's just nice to you. That'd be great. Wouldn't you feel like seriously blessed if everybody was nice to you? But that's not what Jesus says. Jesus said, people hate you. Congratulations. 
Really, that's what, that's what he's saying. He's saying, you know what? People are treating you just awful because of me. It's time to rejoice. Isn't that great? We live in a polarized nation right now. We live in a time when a lot of people are saying very unkind things to each other. People are very hurtful uh, these days. I mean, it seems... Really, it seems to me, and I don't know that, I mean, we've always had some of these things, but it seems like people don't even want to get along. Like people don't want peace. They don't want peace with each other. They don't want to understand each other, and people don't want peace with God. A lot of people don't. And we live in a culture that more and more is openly opposed to Christ and proud of it. Proud of the fact that they resist Jesus Christ, that they are against Christians. You know, and it is in this culture and in this time, uh, like every culture, that God calls people to be peacemakers. We talked about that last week and what that means. God expects us. You know, he reminds us that, at least he reminds me, probably reminds you, that we used to be his enemies, right? Before we put trust in Christ and before he cleansed us of sin and he gave us his Holy Spirit and the joy we have, the promises of God. And, you know, before that, that we were his enemies. But through the blood of Christ that we have peace with him, you know, God revealed his incredible love poured out at the cross for us. And he tells us as peacemakers, we're supposed to invite other people to come into relationship with the Father through Jesus when they put their faith in him. So the first thing I want us to recognize tonight is that Jesus is saying here in this passage, he's saying, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. God's not sugarcoating anything here. He's saying, listen, if you're going to follow me in this world, if you're going to identify with me, you will be persecuted, period. No matter who you are, no matter where you live, you're going to be persecuted for being a disciple of Jesus. Matthew 5, 10 through 12 again. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me, Jesus said. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before me or before you. And you guys know how it went for the prophets usually, right? Some serious persecution. The Bible makes it so clear. If you're going to follow Jesus faithfully, you should expect rejection. You should expect opposition. You should expect persecution. Don't be surprised. Jesus is saying, listen, you're going to have this. You know, maybe you thought when you started following Christ, and I've heard people teach this, usually on television, <laughs> that everything's going to be just smooth as can be, right? 
I mean, you, you came to him broken. You came to him and said, Jesus, I, I am lowly and I, I have sinned and I, I receive your mercy and, and I receive your forgiveness and, and I, I long for more of your goodness and righteousness in my life and you're purifying my heart and I'm new and I'm becoming more meek in Christ and I'm more merciful than I used to be, so shouldn't everybody be nice to me? No. So that makes us wonder, why? What is God up to? Why can't everybody be nice to us? Why does it have to be that way? Why does there have to be persecution? I mean, doesn't God want us to be happy? You know, God loves you. He radically loves you. But he's more interested in his glory than your happiness. He's more interested in your holiness being made like him, then your happiness. He's more interested in the salvation of other people who are still unsaved than your happiness. You know, our time here in this world is so short. The Bible says it's a, it's a vapor. And people being nice to us during that vapor is just not that big a deal. It really isn't. We would like it. And praise God, there are sometimes people are. We have friends who are very nice to us. But this life passes so quickly. Jesus says, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to reject you. There's going to be a lot of people who oppose you. They're going to oppose the good news. This good news that you share with people, they're going to oppose it. And they're going to reject Christ. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. The Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, he said, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Jesus Christ will be persecuted. There's no asterisk, no disclaimer, no exception. It's a promise from God. It's a promise. Don't be surprised. But Jesus is saying more than that here. Jesus is saying here in Matthew 5, don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged by that. Be glad. He's saying, listen, yes, there's persecution, but you've got reason to rejoice. Of all people, we've got reason to rejoice. Just because there's persecution, he's making it so clear here. He's saying, listen, you're not outside the will of the Father. He's not upset with you just because there's persecution. You're not outside of his plan. It is part of his plan. And he loves you. And you have a promise that yours is the kingdom of heaven. You've got a promise from the Father that no matter how much opposition you ever get, you've got a reward in heaven. That's a promise. So considering that, I mean, it would seem like if there's a vapor of persecution and then a lifetime or an eternity of reward, that's a good deal. Isn't that a good, good trade-off? I'd, I'd rather have that than the other way around. It's like there's a value within persecution. If it's for the right reason. It has to be for Jesus. For his namesake, the Bible says. Not because we're obnoxious. Sometimes people are opposing Christians because we're jerks. I'm just being honest with you. I've been a jerk. <laughs> Maybe I'm the only one, but 
mean, there's times we're obnoxious. Seriously, we don't mean to be, or maybe we do. Maybe we don't care. But there's times that really, we're just jerks to people, and they reject us, not because of the message of Jesus Christ, and not because we look like him, because we don't. And there's times with some Christians that we get rejected just because we're weird. You don't get any credit if you get rejected for being a weirdo. I'm sorry. It's got to be for the right reason to get that reward. It's for Christ. It's for Christ. You know, there's very few people, I think, in Scripture that we see, fewer examples that um, really understood the value of suffering than Paul. So I want to share with you what Paul wrote under the guidance of the Holy Spirit here in 2 Corinthians 4, starting in verse 5, if you turn there in your Bibles. And we're going to see some of these blessings that go with persecution, that go with suffering. Amazing blessings and promises that go with this. 2 Corinthians 4, starting in verse 5. Paul writes, you see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves, so we're not being jerks, right? We're not trying to puff ourselves up. We don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. He's saying God who who spoke light into darkness has given us the Holy Spirit. He's given us this light within us. Verse 7 We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. Our bodies are frail. We suffer in our bodies. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. He's saying, listen, you're going through suffering, but you're not going through it like other people. You're going through opposition, but it's not like those who don't know Christ. You have the the light of the Holy Spirit, the power of the presence of God is at work in you. In the midst of your weakness and your frailties and people hating you and opposing you and speaking evil against you, you're walking through it differently because the Holy Spirit is alive in you. And people see this power of God. And Paul's very real about this. In verse 8, we are pressed on every side by troubles. He's not saying, you know, I've got 20 people who are nice to me and one guy who's a jerk, and Lord, can we just pray for this jerk so he'll be nice too? He's saying, no, there is, there is opposition everywhere. There's from every side there are troubles, but you know what? Because of the Holy Spirit within, we're not crushed. It doesn't matter how much opposition there is. He even confesses. He says, we're perplexed. This is confusing. He's saying, God, we don't understand. We've got questions. Why? Why do we have to go through so much trial and suffering and rejection? Why is this, Lord? We don't understand. And yet we're not driven to despair. Because of the presence of Christ, we're not driven to despair. Now he really gets real about it. We're hunted down. Serious persecution. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. Never 
abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus, the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit in us, may also be seen in our bodies. You guys ever read Fox's Book of Martyrs? It's an incredible book. It's amazing. I can't recommend it enough. Great historical book of the Christian faith. True testimony, hundreds of them, of people suffering beyond description, practically. And their countenance in the power of the Holy Spirit is is stunning. Absolutely stunning. I encourage you to read it. You can see the presence of the Holy God is faithful. In your hour of deepest need, when you are up against it in the worst way, and the most intense suffering, you can know the Holy Spirit, his power and his peace radiates. And the Bible's telling us here that Jesus, the Son of God, he reveals his presence. He reveals himself to the world through us as we're persecuted. He's saying, listen, we're not just proclaiming the word of God. We're doing that. We're displaying the power of God. We're displaying the reality that this is real. Over and over again through the centuries, people who persecuted Christians marveling at how they suffer like no other people suffer. The peace and the joy and the love and the Father forgive them in the midst of it. Happening now all over the world. The living Spirit of God within the believers. Verse 11. Yes. We live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you, Paul writes. Paul's saying this is part of God's plan. This suffering that we're going through is so that others will come to salvation through the persecution, through the suffering of the followers of Jesus Christ, people are getting saved. Turn with me for a minute to Acts 8. I'll give you a minute to get there. You turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 8. In Acts, in several chapters, uh, especially like verses or uh, chapters 5, 6, and 7, and then into to chapter 8, over and over again we see the persecution of the early church. And it's usually brought about by one thing in particular. They won't shut up about Jesus. They just won't stop talking about Jesus to everybody. And that always leads to persecution. I want to encourage you to read these chapters when you get home tonight. Five through eight. In Acts chapter eight, the persecution becomes so great against the church in Jerusalem that most of the disciples have said, we're out of here. I think most of the apostles remain, but the disciples, most of them scatter, hundreds of them, all leave Jerusalem because the persecution is intense. Starting in verse 4, here in Acts 8. Those who had been scattered, not before they scattered, those who had been scattered, preached the word of God 
wherever they went. Those who have been scattered preached the word of God wherever they went. They were persecuted for telling people about Jesus. Their homes were taken away for telling people about Jesus. They lost their jobs. They lost their friends. They lost their community that they lived in. Some of them lost family members. And they scattered to these new cities and these new towns for telling people about Jesus. They've lost everything. And so what's their response? They tell everybody about Jesus. It doesn't change anything. They don't stop just because they're being persecuted. Verse 5, Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs, and again, he's preaching Jesus Christ, for he performed They all paid close attention to what he said. With shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. And we can dig into the signs and things later. But the main thing I want you to see here is that everywhere they go, they're being persecuted, and and everywhere they go, they're still telling people about Jesus. And as they keep telling people about Jesus, it results... In great joy. In great joy. When we are faithful and obedient to share Christ with people, it doesn't mean people are going to be nice to you. Sometimes it means persecution is going to increase. Maybe suffering is going to increase, but God will use it for good. There will be those who will oppose us, probably more so in the years to come, for following Christ and preaching Christ. But there's going to be some who are saved. Exactly what happened in this setting with Philip. There are going to be those who put their trust in Jesus Christ who are going to overflow with joy because they now have salvation in Christ. Let's continue in 2 Corinthians 4, in verse 13. But we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, And so I spoke. And so I spoke. When you believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, when you believe that he's the Son of God and that he came to save us from our sins, it doesn't make any sense to be quiet about it. It doesn't make any sense to be... You you can't stay quiet. These apostles were thrown in jail for speaking about Jesus. You know what they did? They kept speaking about Jesus in jail. They got set free supernaturally. And you know what they did? They went immediately to the temple and started telling people about Jesus. They got brought in before the Sanhedrin and they were flogged. And you know what they did? They kept telling people about Jesus. They're thrown in jail again. You know what they do? They rejoice that they're counted worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus. And they keep telling people about Jesus. Jesus puts it this way in the Beatitudes. This whole thing about people who can't shut up about him. He says, you're a peacemaker. Remember last week? Blessed are the peacemakers. That's us. Those who share that you can have peace with God through faith in Jesus Christ. Blessed are the peacemakers. What do peacemakers do? They share the gospel. They tell people about Jesus Christ, that they can have peace with God just as we do through faith in Jesus. 
Verse 14, we know that God who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you, the people Paul's writing to. All of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, because they're not going to shut up, there will be great thanksgiving. Praise God, it's not all suffering, it's people coming to Christ. There will be great thanksgiving, and God will receive more and more glory. More people are going to receive God's grace as we tell people about Jesus. More people are going to rejoice. More people are going to give thanksgiving. God's going to be more and more glorified, and yes, there's going to be some opposition. Verse 16, Paul wrote, That's why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day, for our present troubles are small. Our present troubles are small, and they're not going to last long. It's just a vapor. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them, the troubles, and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will be gone but the things we cannot see will last forever. And Jesus is saying here, don't be discouraged just because people oppose you. Jesus is letting us know here, listen, if you keep telling people about him, some of them are going to get saved. And there'll be a little opposition, but just because there's opposition, you're not a victim. You're not helpless. You've got the Holy Spirit. You're not outside the will of the Father just because somebody says mean things to you because you're a Christian. He's saying, listen, you're a child of God and you're smack dab in the will of the Father. This is his plan. That as you preach the gospel to people, some will be saved and some will persecute you. That's normal Christianity. And it's going to bring glory to God. It's a good thing. And Jesus says, rejoice and be glad. Rejoice and be glad. Just a quick sidebar. The persecution should come from outside the church, not from the inside. We don't always get this right. So I just want to comment on this for a minute. The early church maybe in a level that we don't get here in our culture, the early church understood um, that because of the presence, the power of the Holy Spirit unifying them as brothers and sisters, that was far greater than any differences they had. Really. That whether you were Jew or Gentile, who before Christ had hated each other, you were now one in Christ. The church is one in Christ. Whether men or women, slave or free, young or old, rich or poor, addicts, priests, prostitutes, judges, tax collectors, criminals, Republicans, Democrats, 
Seriously. He takes it very seriously. The indwelling Holy Spirit makes a unity possible that the rest of the world cannot experience. And God expects it of us. That we love each other. Jesus prayed for this unity. If Jesus prayed for it, he's serious about it. You know it's within the will of the Father. It's discouraging sometimes to see uh, people who claim Christ bashing each other on Facebook over politics. It's ridiculous. And I don't care what your political persuasion is. The blood of Jesus Christ is of far greater value than any other identification you have for yourself. Of course, there's going to be disagreements. That's normal. We're humans. We don't have to agree on everything. But when Jesus rules in the hearts of his people, there's love and there's forgiveness and there's unity. And nothing should break that. I think it's likely we're going to see increased persecution in our culture. There's scenarios where that may not happen, but I think it's likely before long. A little further here in the Sermon on the Mount, some words of Jesus in Matthew 5, verse 43 through 48. Jesus said, You have heard that it was said, Love your enemy, or I'm sorry, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven who blesses everyone. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good. He sends his rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? They didn't like tax collectors then, just like we don't like them much now. But we like them more, we don't have to pay as much, right? If you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that. Be perfect. Wow. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. That sounds pretty tough. And I think he's talking about perfect in that love. Be perfect in love and grace and forgiveness and mercy towards every human being on the planet. Period. Be perfect in loving people who hate you. Because there are people who hate us because of Christ. That's tough. Turn the other cheek, Jesus said. Somebody strikes you. Turn the other cheek. Somebody says something evil and awful about you. I don't know that, well, I do know in my strength, I I don't think I can do that. I think I'd rather give them a dose of loving truth and, you know, hold them accountable, right, if they're going to strike me when I don't deserve it. Jesus says, no, no, that's, that's not my way. (laughs) 
We have to depend on him. We have to depend on the Holy Spirit so that he can love through us. We turn to him. So when somebody intentionally irritates you because you're a Christian, in the real world or Facebook, you're not going to lash out with hurtful words just because they do, right? So a good answer would be, somebody says something unkind, you say, the Lord bless you. The Lord be with you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord give you peace. You speak blessing, not cursing. You pronounce a blessing, and then you pray for them, no matter what they said to you. There's a, a promise for us when we live that way. When we suffer well under persecution, there's a promise. Um, I was thinking about a, an old movie back in 1971. There was a Christmas movie that came out in December of 71 called The Homecoming, featuring a family called the Waltons. Anybody ever see the Waltons? Yeah, back in the day. This is where it began. It began with a movie. It wasn't supposed to actually be a TV series. It just started with a Christmas movie, but it was so popular that they spun off a series because of it. But it's a story about this family that lives in West or Virginia in the mountains, rural area, and their last name is Walton, and the movie uh, had this story about Christmas Eve. The Walton family, their dad, John Walton, had, had gone away to get a job. It, it takes place in 1933 during the Depression. And so jobs were hard to find. And, and John Walton had gone to a different part of the state to get a job and was gone. He's supposed to travel home for Christmas Eve, but he's late. He should have already been back. And the family's scared. There was a report of a bus crash. They thought maybe he had been on that. They didn't know. I can't remember all the details. It's been like 40 years since I've seen this movie. Um, but John Walton's supposed to make his way back, and the family is gathered. They're worried about Dad. And so the oldest son, John Boy, who was like 15, 16 at the time, he's going to go and look for Dad. And he goes out on his own adventure, and there's obstacles and trials and and because he loves his dad, he's going to try to find him. And his dad, even though he's facing all these obstacles to make it home on Christmas Eve, he, he loves his family and he so desperately wants to be home. No matter what the trial is, you know, he wants to do whatever he has to do, driven by love, to get to his destination. He wants to get home. Verse 10, Jesus said, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You know what that promise means? Home. Family. Jesus is saying, listen, if you tell people about me, you're going to suffer for it. And it might even cost you your life. but home is waiting for you. He's saying, listen, rejoice and be glad because there is reward waiting at home. And he wants us to fix our eyes on that destination and understand no matter what the opposition is, it's worth it. To just keep telling people about Jesus Christ and understand, you know what, pretty soon I'm going to be home. 
I'm going to be in a place where I'm loved, where my family waits for me, and no matter what I got to bear to, to get home, it's worth it. It's worth it. I think the Apostle Paul understood this promise. He wrote, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no human mind has conceived the things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. By his Spirit. I'm going to pray for us and then, uh, Chad, if you'd like to invite the men up, we're going to help with communion. Thank you. Leave it all behind. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you that your word is um, so true and honest and relevant in every age and every culture, God. That for those who belong to Jesus Christ, motivated by love, and cannot shut up about him and just keep telling people about Jesus that we're, we're going to face trials, but there's going to be people too who are born again. There's going to be people who give their lives to Christ and it's worth it to, to face some rejection. It's worth it that a few people maybe speak evil of us because of it, God, that it's worth it to lovingly, in the power of the Holy Spirit, God, to just take you at your word, to share the gospel, and to believe that you're going to use it for your glory. God, thank you for the reminder from your word also that we have a promise to enjoy. God, you know uh, that we are inclined to become weary of doing good sometimes and we shrink back from being disliked. We want people to speak well of us and accept us, God. But you give us this Joyful promise, Lord, that if we just trust you and are faithful and follow you, God, and keep telling people about Christ, there's going to be gladness in it. There's going to be other people who experience joy in their life because of it. And even when it's really hard, we've got this promise from you that there is a great reward waiting in heaven that there's a Father there who's waiting to welcome us home. And what you have prepared for us is so wonderful. So much joy, so much love, so much peace, so much beauty. No sorrow, no suffering, no death, no tears. Friendship with God is waiting for us. Thank you, Lord, for revealing this through your word. Lord, help us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ, to joyfully share the good news, believing that your Spirit's going to reveal uh, the truth of the gospel to other people, Lord, and that heaven's going to be their home too. Lord, we love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.